Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. And we're glad to have you here if you're first-time guests or longtime family friends, online guests. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to continue this morning uh, in our book, uh, uh, a series in the book of Revelation. Last book in the Bible, a book of mystery, a book of wonder, a book of challenge. And we've been opening that book and walking through it and just being, been encouraged by that book. And, and it is an encouraging book, although some people think it's a scary book and a fearful book, but it's a book that actually promises a blessing in its opening words. Here's what the Apostle John said, who's the author of this book. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. What is written in it? Because the time is near. Blessed is the one who hears these words, which are words that come to John uh, through a, a vision, a revelation of Jesus Christ, revelation and unveiling. And as he takes those words, he translates those words to the church. And as the church hears those words, the church in Asia, this book is given to seven churches. There are seven letters to seven churches within this overall book. Uh, that, that the churches need to hear. And so he says, blessed is when the church hears the word of God. And hearing is not just ears. What he said, hearing is the heart. When we actually hear and respond, it means biblically we've actually heard the word of God. Uh, hearing means responding and doing something with that word, taking it to heart, allowing it to transform and change our hearts. That's why every week, maybe you're new to Christianity, new to the church, new to Jesus, and we welcome you. This is a safe place to be in process. Every week we worship, but we open the Word of God, it, it, it is inspired by God. It is our roadmap for life. It gives us hope and encourages. It equips us to be the people of God. And so we want to hear that Word and respond to it. That's what worship is all about, because the time is near. God's time is near. What the book of Revelation is saying to a church that is being persecuted by a Roman government, take heart. Caesar doesn't set the timetable. <laughs> Caesar's not in control. God is in control. Jesus is on the throne, and his time is right, and it's near. He will return someday, and he will set things right. All that's wrong in this world is going to be set right. All the good things that God created in this world is going to go forward. You know, heaven is not just some faraway place with clouds and angels with harps. Heaven is actually going to come back to earth. That's what the book of Revelation says. Jesus is going to return and heaven is going to be reunited with the earth. And he's going to remake and reform earth in, in, in its original design. Where God will dwell with man in community for, forever. And we will be in a place of no more tears, no more sadness, no more death, no more sorrow. The things that Orange County can never give you are coming when Jesus returns. So take hope, take encouragement. Wherever you're at today, if you're suffering, if you're struggling, if you've got doubt and questions, take hope when the politicians don't have answers for you. Take hope when the world doesn't have a, a, a cure for your disease. Take hope when you're struggling in your marriage or with your children because God is on the throne and his time is, in, is near. 
His time is coming. So take hope in that. And that was important for the church to do that because they were being persecuted. They were losing jobs. They were losing friendships, businesses. They were losing their lives even. So they needed encouragement that there was something more than Caesar and his dominant lordship and the control and the persecution that he was bringing to the church. And so blessed is the one who hears these words and responds it. And Jesus uh, reveals himself to John. John has a vision of Jesus. And then Jesus says, take these words and write them to the seven churches. There are seven historical churches in Asia Minor, and we've been going to these seven words that Jesus gives to each one of these churches. And these words are important, not just for those churches, because the, the number seven is symbolic. All the numbers in the book of Revelation are not given for literal things. They're given for symbols. All the imagery is not literal. It's Old Testament imagery, bringing it into the now. Helping a person to church to see a greater reality than what they were experiencing. An unveiling of the true reality. God's kingdom, Jesus on the throne, and his return. That's what Revelation is to give hope and encouragement. To struggle and pain and death. And so, we want to look at the word to the church of Thyatira today. Because seven is the word for completeness. So there were many more churches in Asia at that time, not just seven. There were many more, but the word seven means completeness. This is a complete message to the church. The church then, as they were suffering, but also the church today, we can take these words because the challenges of each of these churches are the challenges being faced by the church today in America and throughout the world. So we can take to heart these words for us and see how Watermark is called to respond. How we're called to respond as a people. And so we're looking at the word to the church of Thyatira. One of the seven churches. To the angel of the church of Thyatira. Right. These are the words of the Son of God. Whose eyes are like blazing fire. And his feet are like burnished bronze. Whoa. I mean, I read the Gospels and Jesus is this nice, humble guy, right? Probably had a beard. He was a rabbi, right? He was Middle Eastern. Probably always had a smile on his face and handshake for people. That's Jesus, right? Jesus, eyes, fire, burning. What's, what's John talking about? This is imagery, right? To encourage the church and what the church is going through. Jesus is the risen Lord and he's in control and he has resources and encouragement for the church. Each of these Letters involves encouragement. Jesus is encouraging the church for what it's doing well, but it also involves critique. Here's what you're doing good. boy, church. Here's what you're struggling with. I want to I challenge you here. Why? Because things are not as they seem and the best is yet to come. The hope is eternal. The kingdom is out there. Trust in me and wait upon my return and be faithful. So that's what these words are to each of these churches. And these words that are now to the church at Thyatira beckon them back to the vision. John saw someone like the Son of Man, the Son of God, who had eyes that were blazing and feet were burnished brown. What is John saying to this church through Jesus? Well, John's going to call out this church on compromise. This is a call out on compromise. This church has been compromising with regards to its love for Jesus and love for the world. And Jesus is going to call them out. Well, how does Jesus have the authority to call out the church? Come on. 
Jesus is going to get involved in my business? What gives him the right? What gives Caesar the right to call me out? What gives anybody, the IRS or anybody, a judge, anybody to call me out and to say something to me? Well, John says Jesus can call us out because he's the son of God. He's actually God. Well, who was God at that time? Who was the son of God in the Roman world? Caesar. Caesar was the son of God. He was to be worshipped as God. That's why John's in prison. That's why there's persecution in the church. It was thought that in the Roman pantheon of many, many gods, when Rome took over a country, they brought the gods in, so they had many, many gods. The number one god, Zeus, had a son, and his name was Apollo. Apollo was the son of God. And it was thought that the the Roman Caesar was the incarnation of the Son of God. Familiar language, right? And John is saying, no, 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 that's bogus. The true Son of God is the one who died and rose again. The one who's been revealed himself to me. He's the true Son of God and he's speaking to the church. Caesar's not in control. Jesus is in control. And he has something to say. He has the right to speak into your life because he is the true Son of God. And he has... Eyes that are like blazing fire. Caesar's eyes, right, were full of greed. Caesar's eyes were full of pride. Caesar's eyes were full of power. Caesar was willing to kill and dominate, put people in slavery to get his money and keep his machine going. Caesar's eyes were blazing with lust and greed and power. What are Jesus' eyes blazing with? Passion, love, grace. Jesus can look through all the stuff and all the things and he can actually see your heart. Caesar only cares about what's on the outside. Money, power, structure, his armor, his army, his bank account. Jesus cares about your heart. So he can look through all the stuff and he can actually see and know what's going on in your heart. He has x-ray eyes. X-ray vision. Ooh, I don't, sheesh, I don't want Jesus to know what's going on. Why is he going to look into my heart? Why do we have X-rays? To kill us? Or to heal us? Jesus can look in and through you because he wants to heal you. He can look at the compromise in your life. He can look at the cancer in your soul. He can look at the challenges and he can bring truth and grace in order to heal. That's why he has X-ray eyes. He cares about the heart of people. God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. He's looking for a people whose hearts are fully devoted to him. Jesus has x-ray eyes, and he knows exactly what's going on in your heart. And he wants to bring that x-ray. I had heart surgery. That heart surgery, it, it, it cut me open. I'm so glad that doctor put me in a tunnel and had an x-ray to find out what was wrong with my heart before he started cutting on my body. Don't you want people that know what's going on in your, your life before they start doing surgery on you? Jesus knows where the cancer is. He knows what the problem is, and he can bring the cure right to the issue. Right? That's what that surgeon did for me. That's why Jesus' eyes are full of passion, grace, and truth for you. His eyes are full of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze. His feet feet have been forged in the fire of actual real life. There's no other God I can say that. Apollo, Zeus. There's no other religion where God comes down and takes on humanity and walks 
in our shoes and lives through the fire of life like we've lived? Does Jesus understand what you're going through? Understand the problems in your business? Does he know what it's like to suffer? The loss of relationship, a divorce or a friend, does he know what it's like to suffer? Does he know what it's like to have, lose a job and be out of a home? Does Jesus, he knows everything about that because he's walked in our shoes. He is God incarnate. And as a result of that, his feet have been forged by the fire of real life and his uncompromising commitment for you has been shown as every step he went towards love and he went towards the cross to die for you. Every step of the way, every time he was called to compromise, whether it was by the enemy in the wilderness, whether it was by his best friend Peter and said, Jesus, you're not going to the cross. (laughs) Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't even understand the things of God. You're about the things of of men and of Caesar. And about in the garden when he sweat blood and he said, "If, if there's any other way. But you know what, Father, if there's no other way, not my will... But you're, and he sweat blood, and he said, I'm going to uncompromising love to the cross because he loves you. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. The ones who nailed him, the ones that spit on him, the ones who judge, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he said, It is finished because of his uncompromising love. Do you think he has the authority to speak into our lives? I think he does. Because his eyes are pure and true. And they're about healing, and his life has proven his love for you. So church, listen to this one, because he loves and cares, and he wants to bring you into the fullness of all that he gave himself for you. And so he speaks to this church out of that, because he is filled with uncompromising love. For he came not to be served like Caesar. Everybody's about serving Caesar, right? It's all about Caesar and getting Caesar's will and Caesar's vision, wherever that person is. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life away as ransom for many. So his uncompromising love, he can speak into the compromise of our lives. And he begins, like many times, with commendation, right? He gives with encouragement. There's good things about this church. This church is doing good things in Thyatira. What does he say? I know your deeds. I walk among the churches. I understand what's going on. And I just want to encourage you, your love, your faith, your service, and perseverance. And now you're doing more than you did at first. This church is growing in love. This church is ministering to its community. This church is faithful to the people. This church is doing service for the poor and caring for needs. This church is a good church, a growing church. I I would hope Jesus would say that about Watermark, right? I know your love and deeds and faithfulness, Watermark. You're growing, you're doing, you're growing in love and faithfulness and perseverance. And I think he would have good things to say about Watermark. I just came back from Rosarito, Mexico. Last night, drove all the way back in the car. I was with a team of people from our church that went down to build a house for a woman. Her name was Maria. She goes to Nueva Casa Church, the church that we planted down there. Maria lived in Michoacan with her husband and her three children. Her husband was cooking meth, cocaine for the cartel, and he was taken into prison. The cartel came and killed her son. The cartel threatened her life. She had to flee. She lost her house. She lost her community. She lost everything. And she fleed and migrated down to Tijuana, suffered and struggled, found her way to this 
very poor community in Rosarito. And she found the love of Jesus Christ through a church called Nueva Casa. It invited her and loved her and encouraged her. And then all of a sudden, the impossible happened. Somebody said, hey, this church wants to give you a new home. And so people from this church, because love and sacrifice, because of the gifts of this church, went down and built her a new house. There's some guys building that new house for Maria. And as Maria received that new house, and all of her neighbors and friends came and went around in the community, and we invited the community to come to celebrate with Maria this Nueva Casa for her. We were able to give the reason why we do that. Why did we build a house for Maria? Why did we come all the way from California? Why, why did we do this? Because we wanted Maria to have a house, but we want you to know that Jesus wants you to give you a house that's in heaven. Jesus wants to make a home in your heart. And we shared the gospel, and 25 people accepted Jesus Christ yesterday in front of Maria's house. And that's not just in Mexico. We do that with the homeless community here in Costa Mesa, with many, many churches that we serve with. Many of you participate in serving the poor and the homeless. We want to go to the schools, and we want to help those teachers that are under such a burden. We want to show them the love of Jesus Christ. We want them to know that God loves them, and we care for students. We want to help families. That's why you know, we want to do a date night with a purpose. We'll do VBS, and you guys get a date night. Wow. I'm going to actually, don't tell Ben this, my son-in-law, he has 10 kids. I'm going to tell him, I'm going to give Ben a date night. And we'll take the 10 and we'll drop him off here and Kathleen and I will get a date night. Ben gets it, everybody wins! No compromise, right? It's all good. It's teasing. But we want to do that. We want to be a church of faith and service and attaboy watermark. What a blessing. What a bl- Maybe you found your way here because of one of those ministers or a friend invited you and we're so happy to have you on this journey of faithfulness and love. But you know, God loves our good deeds, but he loves us even more than that. He's willing to call us out on the stuff that needs to change, on on some of the disease and cancer that might cause us to compromise and mess up all the good things he's given us. That's how much he loves us. That's foreign to our world. Wow, we need to tolerate everybody. Everybody gets to do whatever they want to. You get to decide your own sexuality. You get to decide your own, what you do with your money, how you live your life. And it's all about individual. It's a, you get to choose and make your own God and whoever you want to. It's all a designer life. And everybody's happy, right? Sounds great. How's it working out for America? Not working so good, is it? So tolerance really doesn't work. It falls apart. It's false, fake news love. Because true love goes to the truth. And God says, speak the truth in love. If you love somebody enough, you're willing to tell them the truth about their addiction. (laughs) Right? If you love somebody enough, you're willing to tell them the truth about how they're spending their money and they're going to die in debt. If you love someone enough, you're willing to tell them how to treat people And how to love people versus being brutal and mean on the internet. If we don't have enough love to tell people the truth, we're going to implode. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. But in love. Not in judgment. In love. And so, Jesus is willing to tell us the truth because he loves us. A good father tells his children the truth because he loves them. Right? Everybody understands that except for our culture, I guess. And so Jesus calls out his church... He's not not out there calling out the world. He's calling out us. We're the ones that say we know God and we love him and we want to serve him. He calls us out because we're supposed to be his representatives. 
He's calling out his church on compromise. Nevertheless, I have this against you, Thyatira, my church, my light. Thyatira is a light in that city. All these seven churches are represented by candles, lamps, because they're the light of the city. (laughs) They're supposed to be sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ. That's how the gospel goes forth. I have this against you. Thyatira was a a place of great pressure and compromise. It was one of the smaller of the Asian cities, but it was the hub of manufacturing and marketing. Thyatira was the hub of manufacturing and marketing, and they were famous for their trade guilds. The amount of trade guilds, how they were organized, their labor, unionized to the T, very good, very efficient. They were supplying goods and manufacturing to the all of Asia. This was a manufacturing center, but it also was a pressure of compromise because when you joined a trade guild, you joined the social life of the church. It was like joining a club. And so you're not only a part of the the leather workers guild or the craftsman guild, the, the bricklayers guild or the pottery guild, whatever it was, but you're also part of the social life of that guild and you bought into that. And what that meant was you went to functions. There were dinners, there were celebrations, and you had to be involved in that. If you, wanted to, if you weren't a part of the guild, you couldn't get a job. It was hard for you to flourish as a business person outside of the guilds. So they had tremendous pressure. And guess what? When you went to those celebrations, they wanted to pay homage to the Son of God. <laughs> right? And that wasn't Jesus. That was Apollo. And so we're going to take a glass of wine and we're going to pour out a libation in Apollo's name and we're going to say a prayer and bless Apollo for blessing this guild. We're going to do a sacrifice maybe and we're going to sacrifice honor to Apollo so he'll bless our work and our labor and then we'll cut up the meat and we'll give it to everybody. Everybody gets meat. We'll have a beautiful dinner together and we'll eat the meat that was sacrificed to Apollo. And then we're going to have such a good time with the wine and the meat because we're successful guilt. Eh, so there's a little fun after. Nobody's going to look. Nobody bothers. It doesn't matter if you go home. Here's a couple of girls. Just go have some fun. Here's a couple of guys. Get together and have some fun. And so orgies, revelry came out of those things. This was a common practice in the ancient Roman. This is normal society, much like a rave. What happens in America today, right? Whenever, whoever, whatever. It's all good. Well, how could a Christian... It says they love Jesus and love his word. Go to that and be a part of those activities. There was pressure to compromise in the guilds. Jesus is not calling out the guilds. There's pressure to compromise in your world every day, at your business, in the schools, everywhere in this world there's pressure to compromise. Jesus is not calling out the guilds. He's calling out the people in the church that say it's okay to compromise. And that's Jezebel. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who's a part of your church and is teaching in your church who calls herself a prophet. She's a teacher. And she's been given a a pulpit and a platform. And she's teaching compromise. Her teaching misleads my servants, my people in the church into sexual immorality. It's okay to compromise with the guilds, into eating food sacrificed, that's okay. It's okay to come to church on Sunday and love Jesus and go out there and just go after the things of the world. Go ahead and love money. Go ahead and love sex, whatever you want to do, whenever. Go ahead and love your own personal fulfillment. Yeehaw! Sounds like American church a lot of times, doesn't it? 
We do a lot of good things in the American church, but are we guilty of compromising with the things of this world? Watering down what it means to truly have allegiance to God? This is a word to this church in Thyatira. This woman is saying Jezebel. Her name's not Jezebel. This is, again, a picture of her spirit and her posture. Because who is Jezebel? She's a famous person in the Old Testament. 1 Kings 16 to 19, go back and read her story. But Jezebel is in an arranged marriage. She's from Tyre and Sidon, and she gets in an arranged marriage with the king of Israel, Ahab, and, Ahab, and they get married. And this is all good and great because, you know, foreign governments, they do things to create allegiances, right? Except for when you create an allegiance with a, with a foreign government that has a different God. <laughs> and Jezebel brings her God with her, and the God is Baal. And this, she introduces the false worship of Baal into Israel. She says, it's okay, guys. It's okay to love Baal and Yahweh. We can do both, right? We can worship Baal. And she has Ahab build her a whole altar to Baal in, 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 in Israel. And she has 850 prophets that she funds personally out of her own pocket on the dole so they can promote the worship of Baal. And Ahab, you can do what you want to. And it's okay. And Israel is led into compromise and God's people start compromising on their ethics and the morality and what it means to follow God. And so Israel is led into slavery and difficulty and drought because of this. Well, this is what's happening in Thyatira. This woman is, has a Jezebel spirit, and she's leading the people to say, it's okay to worship Jesus on the weekend and go have fun in the gills during the week. We can do that. God loves you. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And that's not true. And Jesus loves us enough to call us out on compromise and to give us the truth. This is what he said. Don't buy this lie of compromise, guys. You know, compromise is so subtle. It's not saying throw Jesus out. Many times the world doesn't say throw Jesus out. Just bring us in. <laughs> bring our values, bring our ideas, and bring us in, man. You can worship Jesus in money. You can worship Jesus in sex. You can worship Jesus in your, your whatever... Your work, you can work Jesus, worship Jesus in sports, whatever it is, it's okay. Nothing's going to happen. But Jesus said, no, that's not true. You can't serve two masters. You have a one God heart, do you know that? You only have a one God heart. That's the way God designed you. He created you for a one God heart, and that's Him. Right? And so when you try to shove two gods into that heart, it doesn't work real well. It doesn't work real well. And that's what Jesus says, because you're going to hate, there's going to be conflict in your heart. You're going to hate one and love the other, because they both want everything from you. That's the nature of a God. <laughs> it takes it all, right? If you want to know what God you serve, what do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time pursuing? What gives you fear if you would lose it? What's your schedule oriented around? That'll tell you who your God is. Right? Because God wants it all. He wants your time, your talents, and your treasures. That's the nature of a God. And that's part of the deal, because you were shaped with a one God heart to worship and know the true God. So if you try to put two gods, it ain't going to work out well, because you're going to love one and hate the other. And so if you try to serve God and money, guess what? You're going to be formed around greed. Unfortunately, not grace. You're going to be formed around greed. You try to serve God and sex, you're not going to be formed by love. You're going to be formed by lust. And your heart is going to be taken by lust. 
You, you try to serve God in power, and your heart's going to be formed around pride. You're going to control people. You're not going to love people. So Jesus says that's, that's, that's really a dangerous place. So I just want to tell you the truth. Compromise is a dangerous path because it will lead you in small choices down a path of destruction. And so don't compromise. Don't buy the lies because lies lead to compromise. It's sort of like the soldier decided to join the Civil War. And uh, he wanted to get in the fight. But he couldn't decide which side to fight for. So he put on a Confederate jacket and Union pants. And he got shot by both sides. They didn't know which side to bury him on. Well, that's kind of what happens in compromise. It's misery, it's conflict, and it ultimately leads to slavery. And so Jesus wants to be honest with that. And, uh, and he says, hold on to my truth. Hold on to who I am. Hold on to the th- very important things that are essential to knowing me and loving me and loving others. And the Bible is real honest about that, what, what those truths are. I mean, yes, we compromise in marriage. We compromise over personality or personal likes and preferences and things that aren't essential. For sure, we compromise in business to do good deals and bring different gifts. We compromise all the time, but we don't compromise on the essentials of our relationship with God and what it means to walk with Him. And this is it. You want me to send this to you? If you want to have a conversation about this, if no one's ever told you this and you're new to the faith, I'm happy to talk you through this stuff. Talk about legacy makers, parents. This is what you would want to build your, your kid's life on. This right here. This will leave a legacy that lasts. These are uncompromising truths. The essentials of what it means our faith. What makes Christianity Christianity? We don't want to compromise on that. Right? We don't compromise of who God is and his character. I don't compromise that God expresses himself as a trinity, one God, three persons. This is essential to the revelation. We don't compromise on what this book is. This is the inspired word of God, Theophanustos. God breathed and it equips us for every good work of service. We don't compromise on that truth. We want to filter everything from the world through this book. We don't want to filter this book through what the world says. That's compromise, Right? We don't want to compromise on the gospel. That's why every time we go down and build a house, we don't just say, here's a house and walk away. That was really fun to build a house. No, we tell them why we built a house. To share with you the good news of Jesus. Right? That's why when we go to the homeless, we share the good news of Jesus. That's why from this pulpit, we share the good news of Jesus. That's why we encourage you to love your neighbors and share the good news of Jesus with them because we don't want to compromise because that's the way people find God. There's no other name of heaven and earth by which we must be saved but Jesus The world's telling you that all roads lead to God. Every religion finds its way. So it doesn't really matter, right? That's not the gospel. The gospel's not religion. Religion says, here's your formula for success. Here's your way to God. You do those things and you are accepted by God. Jesus came to offer a relationship by faith through grace. Has nothing to do with what you do to to earn it. God earned it for you. It is grace. We don't want to compromise on that. We're saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ. We don't want to compromise on that. The early church did not compromise. And I'm glad they didn't, because if they did, we wouldn't be here today. Do you know that? You guys wouldn't even be here today. We would not have a church here if those guys compromised. Those guys sold out to this woman, and the early church compromised. It's a cancer. The church would have been dead. You would have never heard the gospel. It's done. 
done. And because they gave their lives and they passed the faith from faith to faith, we have the gospel here today. Guys, if this is our watch in America, politics won't save America. More money, more technology, more cures to diseases won't save America. Only the gospel will save America. The church can't compromise. The world can compromise. We cannot compromise on this, guys. This is why we're here and why we're going to be with God for eternity. The lordship and authority of Christ, he will return. He'll set things right. He's given us personal convictions. We don't want to compromise on those. We don't want to compromise on the moral issues of Scripture, sexuality. We don't compromise on the way we use money. Man, look at the bondage and struggle. I've seen so many couples destroyed by debt because they compromised. I've seen so many families. I've lost some of my best friends because I called them out and they walked away from their families because of an affair and they compromised their relationships with their children. I've seen so many men that I've looked up to in the church that have been my mentors that I said, this guy knows how to build a church. I'm going to let him influence me. And they compromised and they lost their whole ministry and they led so many people away. Compromise. Why does God not want us to compromise? Because it has huge consequences. It just does. And Jesus is honest about that. The world doesn't want to be honest about that. Jesus is honest. When you compromise, there's consequences. It's destructive. There's pain, not just for you, but for the people you say you love. Compromise has consequences. And at some point, Jesus gives us over. He, He calls us out. He encourages us. He loves us. But at some point, he gives us what we want. We want compromise, he'll give us compromise. And unfortunately, the, the results are devastating to our family, to our health, to our culture. Look what's happening in our culture because of compromise. And so Jesus calls out this church, though. He calls out this woman. These are hard words. And why are these so harsh? Because this woman's a leader. You have to understand, God holds leaders way more accountable than he does just folks that are following those leaders because of their influence, because of the cancer that a leader can promote into his church and he can destroy the church. I've given her time to repent. I've been patient with her, but she is unwilling. So I cast her on a bed of suffering. I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Is he talking about physical adultery, spiritual adultery? We're not totally sure. But what he's saying is because they've compromised and they're walking away, They get what she gets. She influences them, right? What happens when a dad walks away from his family? What happens when an addict walks away? Uh, The family gets (laughs) the sickness and the struggle. They get to live with that. What happens when an organization, when a a leader compromises? The whole organization, people could lose their jobs and it's destroyed. What happens when a church, everybody walks away? See, compromise has huge consequences. And so this is what happens. I will strike her children dead, that all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. This is hard for us because we're individuals. And we're full of that, gosh, could God be strong and harsh on an individual? He could. Because he loves that individual, but that individual is tied to a church. You guys... If you're a Christian, you, don't, you have to understand this. You're tied to a body. It's, it's happened. If you become a Christian, you are a member of a family, and your cancer will infect all the... It's like leaven. The leaven of the Pharisees, it goes through the church. And at some point, Jesus has to cut out the cancer to save his church. He's saving this church so he could save us, 
so he could save others. And sometimes he does that to leaders in the church. I've seen it many times. It's very sad. But Jesus is ultimately not going to be compromised to the point of destroying the church and destroying the gospel. And so he steps in and he gives discipline to this people so that the church will know that he is God and the church will fall away from compromise back into uncompromising love. Life matters. Things have consequences. And so Jesus says, hold on, church. Hold on, the ones who are faithful, hold on, because there's a purpose ultimately in your, your, your faithfulness and your struggle. Hold on against Caesar. Hold on against these challenges. Now I say to you in Thyatira, the rest of you, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, that's the way she was getting into compromise. I've received a deep secret revelation from God that's not... Not, nobody else knows, and I'm going to give it to you. Beware when someone says, God's given me a revelation, let me give it to you. Always test it with this, guys. I don't know how many cults have been formed in our, in our world where people have been led away from God because somebody had a deep revelation that would counter this word. Don't compromise on this. That's how so many Christians get led astray and get led astray into difficult ideologies that create bondage. But those of you who are faithful to my word, right, I will impose no other burden to you except hold on to what you have till I return. Hold on to the truths I've been given you and continue an uncompromising life. Why? Because you're training for reigning. Wow, I thought it was all about my business. I thought it was about my house. I thought it was about uh, all the fun I'm going to have now in, in this life in Orange County. No, no, no. You're training for reigning. This is your life right here. It's 70 years at best, maybe 80, right? And this is eternity. Jesus says, it's not what you see, right? This is not all there is. There's a whole future coming. That's forever. And now, in this time that you're having to struggle in the uncompromising life, and it's hard for you, one day that's all going to flip over, and you're going to be rewarded because you're forming the character that will allow you to lead into eternity. You're going to lead with me. You're training for reigning. You're forming your heart around eternity right now. You're preparing for something better. To the one who is victorious and does not compromise and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them like with an iron scepter and will dash them with pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You're training for reigning, and I'll give, Jesus says, I'll give my authority to you. And you'll reign with me forever. You're preparing for that day. Nothing is wasted. God is developing his character in you for eternity. And that's the hope and our struggle and our pain and, and what it means to live an uncompromising life, right? That's hard sometimes. That's challenging. That's difficult. But we're looking for a greater hope when Jesus returns. And he says, I will give you the morning star. For those of you who are holding on in your struggle and your darkness, you're being persecuted by Caesar, you're going through difficult times, I will give you the morning star. I'm not a, a night person. I fall asleep early, my wife will tell you. Uh, I never see the end of any movies. I'm a compromised movie watcher. I get about the first 15 minutes, I'm snoring. Then Catherine has to catch me up the next day of what happened. 
That makes me not a night person, a morning person. So many times I get up and it is dark. 4 o'clock, 4.35, it's dark. I'm riding to my, my morning mountain bike ride in the dark. I'm just waiting. And, but when I get out of my car and I look up, what do I see? I see these stars. Twinkle, twinkle little stars. And these stars are saying, guess what, Bucky? You're not going to be riding in the dark. Because these stars are bringing in the light. They're reflecting the sun. They're saying, the sun is coming. Light is coming. It will overwhelm all the darkness, all the disease, all the de- everything that you have suffered, everything that you've lost for living an uncompromising life. It will be all come back when Jesus comes and he overwhelms you with light. His love, his grace, his sanctification, and you will be with him, and there will be no death, sorrow, there will be no sin, there will be no more compromise for eternity. I will give it to you now. I'll give you that hope. I've been in dark places. That woman, Maria, how did she get through? Because she has the morning star, and the morning star is Jesus. He says, I'm the morning star. The resurrection is the morning star, and it says something good is coming, and now that's in your heart. And that's the hope of eternity. And that will see you through the darkest night. The morning star. Maybe you're suffering here this morning. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe it's hard for you to be a Christian. And God wants to give you the morning star as we come and take communion and realize that God is with you and for you and he has a hope. And you're training for reigning. And you will be rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant. Keep going. Stay faithful. Be uncompromising in your love for God and people. But maybe God's going to call you out this morning on compromise. This is a hard message for me to give because I compromise. I'm imperfect. You know, and so God might be calling you out on compromise and saying, hey, there's a part of your life that's starting to grow and it's going to become a cancer and I want you to cut it today. And how do we cut out that compromise through confession? Bring it into the light. Say to Jesus, we say to others, ah, I've been compromising. Compromising in the area of pornography. I, I got to cut this out of my life. It's going to destroy me. I'm mean, compromising in drugs. I'm rocking in an addictive cycle. Maybe it's alcohol. It's going to take me down. There's going to be a, you know, I'm going to get pulled over by the police or I'm going to kill somebody. In a, I got to stop this. I'm compromising with my mouth and my anger is beating up my children. And I, I got to get control of this anger because it's going to destroy my relationship with my child. Or it's all about money for me, and so I'm full of fear and anxiety, and just holding on to money, and it's just it's causing me so much fear and anxiety, I can't even function. And i got to let go. You say, Jesus, forgive me. Cut out the cancer, and bring me forgiveness and healing love, and bring me back to a life of uncompromising love. I love David. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. He compromised, and it cost him a lot. You can read his story committed adultery. He killed a man. He, and it, just, it destroyed. But he came back to God and he said, God, search me and know me. See if there's anything wrong in me and cut out the compromise. And David did not destroy his legacy. Ultimately, he finished well. And guess who comes out of David? Jesus, the Messiah. So you may feel like you've so compromised, you're so flawed. Well, you're in good company. You're here with me and a bunch of sinners. And David too. But God calls you back. He'll always call you back. No matter how far you go, he's going to call you back. Because he cares so much about you. He wants you to have the fullness. And he cares about the people in your life. 
And maybe he's calling you back to uncompromising love and you need to confess and ask him to heal you this morning and bring you back to the center of his love. That's what he's saying to the church here today. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.